Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting exit plan with no spaces to 44222. That's exit plan to 44222. Again, text exit plan to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Well, welcome, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's always a pleasure to have on a guest that I know personally and someone I know of their character and and how much they care for their clients. And my guest today is Kip Colson. Kip is the president of Family Wealth Leadership, which is a wealth management and multifamily office firm. But they're unique in that they coach family members and future generations to mitigate the damage wealth can cause in family relationships. So with that experience as a foundation, Kip is the author of a new book, The Legacy Family, Father, Son, and Holy Coach. Kip, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Bill. Kip, uh, I've known you for a while. I've seen the type of work that you do and, and heard great things about the work that you do. Tell our listeners a little bit about how you got started, a little bit about your background. Uh, Sure. The very quick background is many, many years ago, I started uh, in the banking world. I was a banker for about 11 years. Uh, Then one of my clients, who was a real estate developer, asked me to join him. So I did about 15 years in commercial real estate development up until the early 90s, and the real estate market was uh, very bad. And so I had to put food on the table. So I looked into the financial uh, planning industry and uh, started with a company there. And then over time, uh, got uh, out of that company. I only did my one-year training there and then uh, became an independent working with another firm. And then over time, uh, again, I bought that uh, the partners out of that firm. So officially in 2005, uh, we changed the name of the firm to Family Wealth Leadership. And so we've really, <clears throat> excuse me, we've seen too often uh, unfortunately, that wealth doesn't do kind things to families, and we can do a great job of uh, helping our clients build and preserve wealth, but at uh, at that point when it does pass to the next generation, uh, then too often that generation is very ill-prepared to take on that responsibility, and the statistic, um, literally throughout uh, the ages and in every country in the world, is that 70% of wealth is lost each time it transfers from one generation to the next. And so that really became our mission in life, is to try to uh, keep our families from having that kind of an experience. And uh, Kip, correct me if I'm wrong, wrong, but you're also, you are a family business now, correct? Yeah, no, you're right. We're not. A, <laughs> my uh, my son, uh, my youngest son works with me, and uh, he he joined the firm in 2004, and so yeah, we are. And so yeah, he is the obviously the heir apparent, but uh, also he does share our our values and uh, uh, passion for helping families. So yeah, that's that's exactly right. 
And that's that's terrific because, you know, when we're working with multiple generations, sometimes we need the perspective of those different generations. And you have that at hand, which is really, I think, a terrific thing in a firm like yours to, to be able to say, son, can you tell me what they meant by that? <laughs> yeah, no, you're uh, absolutely, yeah, that's a really great, great observation because it happens all the time. Um, I mean, again, I can tell you a quick story in that we were talking to one client. He's got some challenges with his son, uh, who is a middle-aged son. The son wanted to come in with this wonderful idea of a a business that he wanted to buy into and was going to need several hundreds of thousands of dollars to do that. And the um, dad asked us to come in with the son and to kind of vet that whole process. And at one point, uh, I had to get up to go to the restroom. And when I came back, the father was outside saying, oh, no, this is really good. Your son's in there really pushing (laughs) my son to ask all the really tough questions. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's some value to that. Yeah, in family businesses, obviously, there's always other dynamics at work. I think one of the the key questions I found early on in asking, you know, when when there's uh, wealth transfer or, or power transfer at hand in a family business is, do you let your son drive your nicest car? <laughs> and if they don't let their son drive their nicest car, then you're, there's going to be an issue. You don't even trust him to drive your car. How are you going to trust him to drive your retirement? Uh, and and that's, a, you know, that, that's a really unique area of, of planning. Well, and, and again, you know this because of what you do, and that is the minute you put a family business into the mix, the complexity goes way up. Uh, largely because, as you just said, sometimes there's one or two kids involved in the business, and then there's a few kids who are not involved in the business. And then when mom and dad do pass and the business has to go someplace, if it hasn't been planned properly, now you've got that inherent conflict of those involved. They want to keep it and try to build it bigger, and the ones who are not involved are saying, no, we're going to sell it because we want the cash. So those are all the issues um, that hopefully we try to, to solve when we, if we can get in early enough and start planning with the family to anticipate those problems. And if we can put the right tools in place before and get everybody around the table talking while mom and dad are still with us as opposed to after mom and dad are gone and now they bring the attorneys in, it, it gets a whole lot easier if we can plan ahead. Yeah, I, in this in this world, um, I heard a long time ago. I borrowed the phrase, but the the primary goal of this type of planning that you do is Happy Thanksgivings. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a really I hadn't heard that one before, but yeah, it really is because uh, you know, in, in today's world, as you can appreciate, families don't really even get together that often because uh, they're so disjointed as far as geographics are concerned. They have their own families. The minute kids got married, now you bring the in-laws and their families into it. So it's just almost impossible for uh, a family to spend any time together, even at Thanksgiving and Christmas. So, Yeah, well, and you can imagine all the issues that can happen when you have, again, conflicting desires and goals for the asset that's that's the centerpiece, which is a lot of times the family business, kids that are in the business, kids that are out of the business, the kids that are outside the business are just like that other, my brother's ruining my inheritance. Yep. Oh, <laughs> there yeah. can be a lot of yeah. conflicts there. So, so well, I, I applaud you for your work. Yep. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, even to the point you just mentioned, is a lot of kind of the car deal where you, you yeah. trust uh, the kid to drive the car. 
Well, a lot of times, again, even the kids who are not involved in business, they're going to actually inherit a part of that business. And then if the son or daughter who's in the business running it isn't qualified to do that, to your point, now they're really upset because that mm-hmm. valuable asset is going down in value constantly. Right. So, yeah. 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 It, it can, there's a lot. There's a lot behind the scenes. Uh, it's like a duck. It might look. It might look. Uh, calm and peaceful on the top of the water, but it's paddling like hell underneath. And uh, exactly. so the, the work you do is great work, Kip, and out of your body of work, you've written a new book, and it's called The Legacy Family, Father, Son, and Holy Coach. And I have right. to ask you, uh, you know, first of all, why did you write the book and who can benefit from reading it? But it's a fascinating title, so I want to get that to that too. But why did you write the book and who can benefit from reading it first, Kip? Yeah. Um, well, again, I wrote the book on the premise of, again, what we do, what we see every day. And part of the issue is I think there's a huge um, lack of awareness for this problem, this train wreck that's going to come. Uh, and, and families, for the most part, don't really understand that they've got this, um, well, for lack of a better term, this disease or illness that's going to infect their family at some point in time. So a large part of writing the book was, number one, to hopefully create that kind of awareness and let them know that they need to start thinking about this and, again, plan now as opposed to waiting until mom and dad are gone and the kids are fighting over everything. Um, And number two, the book is written in a style uh, that it lays out almost virtually every part of your life that uh, can be impacted from the family dynamics to the financial and vice versa and how to uh, hopefully put in place, uh, again, strategies and tools that can help bring the family together as opposed to uh, pulling them apart. Well, I think that's such valuable information for people to, to digest and read about. And, you know, there are a lot of strategic books out there about family business dynamics and family business uh, transitions and things like that. And you're approaching it in a different way, and I think that's that's spelled out a little bit in the title. The title's pretty unique. So what mm-hmm. is the story behind the title, Kip? Yeah, the story behind the title is, again, as we looked at uh, how do we help families deal with both the financial and the relational side of the family, realizing that more often than not those two are in conflict, uh, then we started looking at, you know, where do we get, gain uh, the principles and the wisdom that can bring all of that together? Uh, and as we looked at it, and it's partly because of my faith background, but uh, we looked at the Bible, and the Bible is uh, really the component for uh, ageless, ageless wisdom. Uh, But then we also looked at, uh, under uh, Christian uh, terms, you have the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost is is usually the way it's referred to as the Trinity. But again, as you look at even that that format, well, you have the Father who then made sure that his Son was well-prepared and well-trained, and then after Christ is crucified, then we have the Holy Spirit that is supposed to be here to teach us how to live our lives and help us conduct our lives using that wisdom. Well, we do family coaching, 
And so as I, as I was thinking about writing this book, uh, the, 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 the closeness of those two terms, Holy, Go- Holy Ghost and Holy Coach, <laughs> seemed to kind of work for me. And so not that I'm in any way a holy coach, but, uh, and that's not the purpose of the book. The, the, the Holy Coach reference is really to the, all the scriptural references that we've included as a way to support and reinforce uh, these principles that have worked time in and time out for thousands of years it makes you know that's it's an intentional play on words and it's very catchy and it also has again the intention behind it that there's something bigger at work than than what's going on here on the ground in the in the family business and the dynamics and hopefully if we can we can rise above and uh and look at things from a greater perspective then we can um we can put aside any petty differences or challenges that we're having and and work on our problems out of love is that kind of the, the overview of it yeah uh, and and part of it goes to uh, I do happen to be a member at Saddleback Church uh, who is uh, pastored by Rick Warren and I think everybody knows he wrote the book uh, Purpose mm-hmm. Driven Life uh, Great book. so again yeah it is and and so a little bit of that has uh, filtered in if you will to what I why I wrote the book in the sense of we do believe that every person has been created and given a specific purpose. They have certain, uh, we call it our four T's of true wealth. Uh, They've been given a certain amount of time, uh, talent. We add training because we look at talent as being God-given and you can't get it. Uh, But training you can go out and get, plus you can pass it on, and then, of course, the treasures. So what we try to do as far as the family coaching side of it is we sit down, uh, we'll usually start with mom and dad, and then we'll move on to uh, interviewing all of the kids. And part of that exercise is how do we use the families, not only their treasures, but also the families, their time, their talent, and the training within the family, to then also help each of the children identify what would make them significant in life, what is their purpose, uh, so that we use the wealth of the family to help each child become the best person that they can be. Uh, And again, rather than trying to do the traditional estate planning where everybody is it's divided up depending on you got three kids you get a third you got four you get 25 percent etc we take a much different approach in trying to retain the assets in the company or in the in the family and use those assets so that we can benefit every generation hopefully for a hundred years yeah, uh, estate planning is is so much more than a math equation, and uh, and so many people that I I've heard of in exit planning groups and others that that talk about succession and exit planning say you know one of the biggest problems in that planning is the people that are uh, are planning their succession or they're not retiring but I call it rewiring what what's their purpose going to be. And how are they going to move from the business being a big part of their life and identity to their business being um, what is fueling their next purpose, uh, their next great thing that they're going to to take care of in their lives? So, uh, and without that purpose, uh, as you know, Kip, a, a lot of business owners just hold on way too long because they don't have anything to gravitate to after that. Yeah, you're exactly right, Bill, because obviously the business owner, that business is their identity. It's why they got out of bed in the morning. And so, again, what we try to do is uh, we try to, 
use two entities, if you will, uh, to kind of replace that business. Uh, one thing we want to do, and I use this generically because it doesn't have to be a full-blown uh, entity, but a lot of times we'll try to create what I'll call the family foundation. And then the reason for that is because what we know is philanthropy and charity is one of our best tools for starting to teach, especially the next generation, with mom and dad still being there to oversee and be an example of uh, that it is more important to give than receive, and that it's not all about you, that there's a whole lot of people out there uh, that need, again, the time, talent, and training and treasures that you've been able to, uh, to, to receive and be blessed with and use those for helping others, not just building and building and accumulating and accumulating. So the foundation, we usually like to start with that because once the money goes into the foundation, nobody can fight over it. It's not theirs anymore. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm, now hopefully mm -hmm. we can get the whole family around the table and start talking about uh, some commonalities and what are the kinds of causes that the family would like to support. So the, the, the foundation is one entity, but then we have this other because the foundation will only get a small percentage of whatever the family wealth is. Uh, but then we also have the non-philanthropic uh, side of the family. So this is the for-profit part. So to your point, especially with business owners, what we like to do is create something we call the family holding company. Uh, and the holding company is a, a real entity for-profit, uh, that is just another business, if you will. Now, the family business could ultimately wind up uh, contributing its shares, if you will, into the family holding company. But again, what we do is we start to bring the children into that process so that they can at least be a board of directors and they start to learn what it's like to run a business. How do you make business decisions? How do you look at financial opportunities? The reason we call it a holding company, the industry usually calls it a family bank. I like holding companies a little better because I think it implies that it's making other investments. And it could be investments in the family. So if one of the kids needs to or wants to start a business, then we've retained the assets in the family. So the, the, that child has access to those resources in order to, uh, to start the business, but he also has access to all of the other types of capital, the intellectual capital, the experiential capital, uh, the spiritual capital, and also that's still retained in the family, and that's, this way hopefully it doesn't get lost. So in effect, you're going back to the, the, what you do as far as the exit planning thing, what we all know is if the business owner is doing a good job, which most of them unfortunately don't, <laughs> they're going to start to train up that next level of management so at the point in time they roll out, the company just keeps going and going. And then that level of management is already working or should be working on training up their next level of management. So there's always this uh, continuous uh, level of continuity without any, uh, any steps being missed. We're basically taking what you do as far as exit planning, coaching, and we're applying it into the family. That's really what we're doing. I think that is so valuable and important. It's, it's uh, there's so much that's taken for granted, oftentimes in family businesses, and knowledge and wisdom uh, are need to be uh, need to be dealt with, learned, uh, applied, not just assumed. And I think mm -hmm. that's that's a lot of times where this comes in. And uh, you know, I, one question is that as a family net worth increases, now we've seen a lot of businesses that 
you know, they're 20, 30, 40 years old, sometimes second generation, sometimes third generation, and net worths have magnified greatly, now, especially if that includes this family-owned and operated business. Does that create challenges? And, and one question is, wouldn't all of those families have already addressed all these issues through estate planning they've done with their attorneys? <laughs> well, I'll answer the last question first, and, the, and that is, that's the assumption everybody makes. But I think we have to remember, number one, and this is not a, a, a shot at attorneys, but attorneys do, again, for the most part, what I call the traditional estate planning, which is, again, as I described earlier, it's really, I hate to use this term, but it's kind of a divide and dump mentality. You know, we put the wills and trusts in place, everybody gets their one-third, and everybody's happy. Well, I have found, at least in the families we work with, that's almost a cause for creating problems. Uh, because, again, you can't possibly solve and anticipate all of the issues that are going to come up 20, 30, 40 years from now with a lot of legal documents. So we like the idea, again, of creating the family holding company that's still managed, if you will, by people. And obviously those people are going to change over the over the years. But at least now they have hopefully some level of rational thinking, and with a group around them, it's not like one person making the decision. It is, in effect, if you will, a board of directors that can make decisions as to, well, if Johnny does want to start or buy a business, let's look at what he's trying to do, and let's look at the financial statements, or let's, get him, let's make him do a market study so that we know he's done his due diligence to see if what he wants to do is even worthwhile. So, again, I think the answer to your question is typically, as we all know, the business owner is so busy running that business, putting out the fires day to day, that usually we assume he's spent time with the attorneys, and he probably hasn't done any estate planning. I mean, we see that all the time, too. So that's the, that's really part of the issue. And then going back to the, the, the first part of your question, and, and again, I'll give you a quick example. We're actually working with a family right now that the, 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 the family business was started in 1930, and obviously it's gone through multiple generations. And now they're at the point of thinking about selling the company. And in fact, they had an offer or a proposal made by uh, who they're now CEO. Uh, and it's all of a sudden, because the family really hadn't really thought about the sale, now that there's a potential sale or at least a discussion about a sale, issues are starting to rise to the, the surface, and we're finding out there's different agendas. And so what we're doing right now is we've got, gone through and we've been interviewing the various family members uh, and identifying what those issues are, and then the next step would be to, to hopefully get the, the people around the table to start talking about those issues and see if we can find a point where everybody is moving in the same direction. So yeah, you're right. You start putting in, you know, years and years and years and years, and these issues go on. Now I will add this one quick thing: is it's not like we're doing something brand new here. I mean, the reason that all of us know names like Rockefeller and Getty and the Kennedy family and the J.P. Morgans is they figured this out a long time ago that if they keep most of the money within the family and create these family entities that continue to operate as businesses or foundations and charities, they can build a legacy. And mm -hmm. that's so we're really just taking what has been done for years and trying to bring it down into the level where uh, it's not the person who's got a billion dollars, but you know, if they got 30, 40, 50, 60, 100, whatever, uh, this yeah. still works.
yeah, over the generations, it can uh, it can pile up if they do their proper planning to um, reduce the amount of tax impacts and do smart things yep. with it. But as you say, you know, some of the foundations that we hear about, for instance, uh, uh, the Rockefeller Foundation or the, the foundations that we hear about are set up with a long-term purpose and vision that's not going to waver. Um, right. How they get there might waver. But as opposed to a, a business, I've, you and I have seen businesses that have, by necessity, changed their their purpose to suit whatever needs, whatever the next opportunity is, whatever the the next mm-hmm. wave of opportunities they can change on a dime. And of course, the people coming into those, the uh, the new generations, are brought are born and brought up in much different times than the 1930s when things oh, were yeah. just a little different <laughs> than today. And, and so yeah. dealing with all of that, you can't you can't you can't uh do, you can't create a document that washes all that stuff out unless you've done a lot of of uh research and really understanding and communicating with all the parties involved and it it's terrific. So the book is uh, again it's called The Legacy Family Father Son and Holy Coach. Um, Kip, is this a self-help book? Yeah, yeah, no, and and and, and I say <laughs> in the book. Uh, it, well, I'll say two things. Uh, first of all, uh, to answer that question, it is definitely not a self-help book uh, because, at least, what we've learned is the value is getting the help that you need. Now, whether it's us or some other advisors, and it's usually going to be multiple types of advisors because even in our situation, we're kind of like what I call the shepherd or the the reconnaissance team. Uh, We're smart enough and we've got enough experience in the coaching to identify and spot and ask all the right questions to to uncover if there's any issues. That doesn't mean we're necessarily the right person to solve those issues. So, you know, if it gets into things like, and unfortunately in today's world we have things like alcoholism and drugs and so forth, uh, we're obviously not capable of dealing with those, but we do have the resources to bring to the table. If it's a situation, maybe even for husband and wife, they're going through, I'll call it some marital issues. Uh, Again, then we need to bring somebody who deals with that to the table to solve that. But again, a lot of times what we find out is the money families all of a sudden didn't have these problems until they started having money. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's yeah. a lot of times yeah. what happens. Um, the other the other point I'll make very quickly here is, again, because it's obvious I do come from a Christian background, this is not geared as a Christian book. I wrote this book specifically uh, that anybody could read this book. I don't really care what their personal beliefs are. Uh, it just happens that, again, we went to what we thought was the best source for wisdom uh, as far as Scripture, but that doesn't mean only a Christian or a spiritual person should read this. This book, I tried to write it in a way where the principles are universal, and anybody can pick up this book. But, again, they shouldn't pick it up with the thought that somehow they're now going to go back and do all this themselves because they'll actually probably create more problems if they do that without the help of somebody who can take them through the minefields that are coming up, that they're going to be facing. It's a, it's a point of awakening. Uh, I've been talking with Kip Colson from Family Wealth Leadership. His offices are in Mission Viejo. There's a couple ways to get the book. Uh, you can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Westbow Press, or his website at www.kipcolson, K-I-P, K-O-L-S-O-N.com, or there's an even better way to get it. If you're interested in meeting with Kip 
for a complimentary initial interview, they'll they'll give you a copy of the book free. Hey, and it's probably autographed yep. too, right, Kip? So that's the better oh, yeah. way. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> my my writing isn't that good, but yeah, I'll sign it for you. <laughs> if you want to find out more about the firm in general, go to familywealthleadership.com. Familywealthleadership.com. It makes so much sense, and you explain it so clearly, Kip. I really appreciate you coming on today and, and sharing some time and, and your book with you, and I wish you the best of success with, success with your book. Well, thank you, and thank you for giving me the opportunity. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this. Please stay with us. Hey, everybody. It's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. One of the questions I get asked the most is, how do I grow the value of my business? I'm so busy working in it, I need to work on it. So we've created a special report for you on 10 tips to grow the value of your business. Just text the word DRIVERS to 44222 to get a special free report right to your inbox. That's drivers to 44222. Text drivers to 44222. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 